Welcome to NSN Daily. Anthony Resnick directing behind the scenes. Chris Murray, I'm Brian Samudio. Uh, another busy day exploring our backyard wake surfing at Lake Tahoe. Shannon Kelly and Alex Margulies will stop by the show and, and kick that around. Just absolutely gorgeous place, but uh, the smoke has been just choking right now. Uh, the Golden Knights dream of the Stanley Cup. Going to have to wait another year because they just could not do it against the Dallas Stars who have you know, just found that formula of how to win. The NIAA, the governing body of high school sports in Northern in the uh, state of Nevada, we're expecting them to meet this week. Um, what they're going to accomplish, we're still not sure, but we have our, our opinions on it, what we think is going to happen. Well, let's start off some uh, Wolfpack basketball. Uh, one's good news, one is not good news. Uh, we'll start with the bad news so we can end on a high note here, Chris. Uh, I was really looking forward to seeing this young man play, and it's not that he's never going to play at Nevada. Um, at least that's what we're hearing. Uh, but he currently is no longer enrolled, and that's Jelani Clark, the talented uh, guard out of the Bay Area. Yeah, he was named the San Francisco Player of the Year. He played for uh, one of the top teams in the nation last year and was a four-year varsity. 16 points, five rebounds, three assists, and two steals per game. Uh, a very, very good player who was one of five high school recruits in Nevada's 2020 class, but he wasn't on the team's online roster. So I did reach out to the Wolfpack, and they said that, quote-unquote, Jelani Clark is not enrolled at Nevada for the fall semester due to privacy laws. We cannot comment any further. He was here during the summer, and he went through some summer classes and summer workouts. So uh, it was a surprise that he's no longer with the team at this moment. I don't think that they've completely ruled out the, uh, that he could potentially play for Nevada down the road, but uh, certainly at least out for this first semester, and that's not usually a good sign. So probably odds are that you don't see Jelani Clark in a Wolfpack uniform. Uh, I haven't been able to pin down the exact reason, but what I've heard is, um, you know, it may makes sense that he's not enrolled right now I'll just put it that way um so yeah that is a big loss uh you know Nevada lost a ton of good during the offseason from uh, Lindsey Drew to Jazz Johnson to Nistrade Zuzwada obviously Jalen Harris who turned pro early so I think Jelani would have gotten a decent amount of minutes probably 15 to 20 minutes uh he was a six foot three guard who was uh, heralded as a very good defender um and I think Nevada could have used that perimeter defense uh, I think best case scenario he could have turned into somebody like a Deontay Burton light worst case scenario is probably someone like a Lindell Burleson who could be an all-conference defensive player and maybe give you a little bit uh, on offense from the three-point line so disappointing to see for sure I mean he was one of my two or three favorite recruits in this class and for him not even to make it to the beginning of the season it is probably a tough pill for Nevada to swallow but you know if he doesn't return it does open up a scholarship in the 2021 class and Nevada didn't have any of those available after getting uh a commitment from Nick Davidson, a, a big man from Southern California. So, um, you know, if you want to look at the bright side, it does open up some options for that 2021 class. And Nevada has been recruiting that group of players really, really hard over the last 18 months. After watching him on film, I'm disappointed because I really liked his athletic ability. I really thought he was a, a guy who could share the basketball, but also knew when to put the ball in the basket. You know, you could, you could see that sort of mental scorers, kind of a point scorer's mentality. You know, I really thought that he would have been very versatile. And yeah, I think the ceiling was Deontay Burton, definitely. And that's that's reaching pretty pretty high. You know, Deontay was a pretty darn special player, still playing in the G League. But uh, yeah, Jelani Clark not enrolled at Nevada. Um, and most, more often than not, when this sort of thing happens, you don't hear from them again, or you hear someone has surfaced at whatever state university in the Midwest and they've gotten a fresh start somewhere else. So we wish him the best either way. But I uh, did hear some good news over the weekend about a transfer from uh, Wichita State. Uh, Grant Scherfeld will be cleared to play. And uh, you think he, he'll probably be a starter. 
I imagine so. I mean, this is a guy who started last year for Wichita State, which was one of the top mid-majors in the nation. So Grant originally had committed to UCLA when Steve Alford was their coach and signed a letter of intent. After UCLA fired Coach Alford, uh, Grant asked for his release, got his release, uh, and then ended up landing at Wichita State. His grandparents lived in the area. He actually signed just a couple of days after Steve Alford got the Nevada job. So I think if he had waited a little bit more, maybe he would have landed at Nevada last year. So as a transfer, typically you have to sit out a season, but you are allowed to put in a waiver requesting immediately uh, being eligible. And for whatever reason, the NCAA is approving a lot more of those. And fortunately for Nevada, they did so with Grant. And I think if you look at the um, deduction of Jelani and the addition of Grant, that's a net positive for this season for sure. I mean, Grant has already played a full Division One season at Wichita State. He averaged eight points, uh, three rebounds, three assists per game. The only big issue is he wasn't very efficient. He only made only 35% of his shots and 30% from three. So he needs to become a better scorer in terms of efficiency. But uh, he's already gone through that full season. And Nevada needed some help in the backcourt. You really look at this team in the frontcourt, there's a lot to like about it between K.J. Himes and Warren Washington and Zane Meeks and Robbie Robinson and DeAndre Henry. Like, that's five good frontcourt players. And then you looked at the backcourt, and you're wondering, okay, who do we have back there? You have Desmond Cambridge, who's a wing player, who's probably going to do a lot of ball handling. He's a transfer from Brown, who's eligible this year. And then you have Kane Milling, uh, who got his feet wet with the Wolfpack last year, but, you know, he didn't put up huge numbers or have a huge impact. So now I think you plug Grant into either that one or two position. He's probably going to be having the ball in his hands quite a bit. And you can feel a lot more comfortable that your backcourt is in a good position heading into this season. So I think it certainly raises Nevada's ceiling a little bit for this 2020-21 season. Uh, I still wouldn't put them top five in the Mountain West quite yet, just based on returning talent. Um, I do have them kind of sixth in my uh, Mountain West preseason rankings at this moment. But having Grant on the team is certainly a big, big deal. And like I said, it, it, it gives you hope that maybe the ceiling gets raised and this team can overachieve just because now you have some more veteran presence in that backcourt. Yeah, the thing that scares me here is depth, obviously, and, um, you know, foul trouble. You know, getting into foul trouble and then suddenly you're looking down the bench and there's nobody there. Uh, Warren Washington is not going to run the point for you. I'll bet. Uh, I'll bet Zane Meeks would want to run the point. You know, I could see him wanting to be wanting to play from outside. But uh, yeah, I, um, maybe not the depth that uh, you're hoping for in your backcourt. But Sherfeld, very very talented uh, addition to this team. But Jelani Clark will not be with the team. And now we've seen the Alford factor. You know, as somebody that goes, well, I want to go where that guy's coaching. And I think Coach Alford's reputation is going to gain him. You know points in in somebody's living room when you're recruiting in the first place but Sherfeld, having already committed to UCLA goes all right well that's where I'm gonna go because I want to play for that guy yeah I mean Wichita State had a lot of issues last year so uh, I think they lost like six or seven players to transfer this offseason so not a shock that Grant would leave and just with that previous relationship with coach Alford it makes sense that he would land at Nevada and I just think it's a guy who can initiate offense who's going to get you good shot attempts uh, that comes down to your point guard in your backcourt. You know, Jalen Harris would get good shot attempts either for himself or his teammates last year. Lindsey Drew would do the exact same. Outside of those two, they didn't have a lot of guys who could go get their own shot or get good shots for others. When you go into this season, you don't have those two. I think Desmond Cambridge can do that to some degree. But outside of that, there wasn't a lot uh, in the backcourt where you say, okay, this guy can roll 
run an offense. He can get you through your sets. He can get, uh, you know, your bigs in good position where they can score. Uh, and then he can go and get his own shot as well. If the shot clock's running down, he can go get a quality shot, whether it falls or not. So I think that's the biggest thing with Grant is that you're going to have somebody who's going to be able to run and initiate your offense and give you good offensive looks. I think this is going to be a better defensive team than last year's Wolfpack. It's just the offense that concerns me um, largely because of the lack of a proven point guard. But this kind of addresses that issue to a degree. Usually when we look at teams that have this sort of structure, this is definitely not a must team. There are freshmen on this team, so it's not a must team. Um, you, you see a lot of growth between freshmen and sophomore seasons, junior to seniors. It's, it depends on, on the player. Freshman to sophomore, I think if you asked Wolfpack fans, they probably would say, well, I expect the biggest growth to come out of Zane Meeks. I don't know if I agree with that. I think the biggest grow-up season is going to be for Kane Milling because I think Kane – who had limited minutes last year, but showed flashes. He's got the heart of a lion. He wants to get out there and scrap with anybody. But do you think it's going to be Kane that has the biggest grow-up season this upcoming year, or is it Zane Meeks? I mean, he's going to be given the opportunity to. I think you look at what he did last year, and, you know, he's got to improve a lot. He's got to become uh, better at shooting. I think he has a very, very good stroke. Uh, he has to initiate offense better. Um, he has to be better defensively as well. So, uh, yeah, you, you hope for that growth for sure. I, I think he can get to the point where he can be a solid rotation player where he's getting 15 to 20 to 25 minutes per game. Um, do you want him to be your starting point guard based on what you saw last year? You might say no, but, you know, Marquis Coleman didn't have a great freshman I mean, some guys, it just takes a little bit longer to adjust to the college level. And for Kane, I mean, this was a guy who was coming from overseas where American basketball is much more aggressive. It's much different than what he was – Europe. So uh, I think it's going to take him a little bit longer to kind of grow into being a good, uh, well above average college player. So he'll be given that opportunity this year. I, I think, uh, you know, he's going to be challenged for minutes for sure with Grant stepping in there. I had mentioned Desmond Cambridge, who's six foot five. So more of a wing player, but he can certainly play the two. And then uh, there's a freshman that's joining the team this year, uh, Alim uh, Husenovich, who I think is going to be a very impactful player. This is one of the shooters in the 2020 class, I think overall, this is a guy who's played uh, international basketball at the highest level in like the under 18 leagues. Uh, he's from Bosnia. So, um, you know, he played for an elite uh, team down in, in Phoenix. He played for Phoenix Prep, which was a national program. Uh, DeAndre Hendry, also a freshman on this year's team, played for that program as well. So uh, would not be surprised if Aline played 20 to 25 minutes per game, just because I think this is a guy who can step in and make nearly 40% of his threes uh, this season. So, you know, Kane's going to have to play well to get those minutes and to prove that, you know, I, I deserve to be out there 25, 30 minutes as a kind of true starter, whether he's in the starting rotation or not. So uh, I think it's a big year for him for sure to establish that uh, he's a guy who's going to be here for four years and he's ready to make that, that next jump. In terms of the next superstar for the Wolfpack, I would certainly put that more with Zane Meeks than with Kane Milling. But I think Zane was so good last year that I think everyone's kind of assuming okay, he's ready to be a 14, 15 point scorer and get you seven or eight rebounds again. You led me right into my final point of the, uh, of the segment. And that was Husainovich. And I think he is going to create such great competition with Kane Milling for those 15 to 25 minutes that are going to be sitting there. And you need guys like that. You need somebody who can come in off the bench. You don't have a, a huge drop off when it comes to defense and somebody who can knock down a three and stretch the floor and suddenly Oh, who's this kid? I got to cover. We got to now. We have to adjust to what Nevada's throwing at us. It's not just a, a jersey running around on the floor, but Husainovich, yeah, very, very impressive resume. And uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see the competition. As long as guys can leave the egos off the court and realize we're wearing 
too with 18 to 22 year olds. I remember being 18 to 22 and I didn't want to do that. But it's if you can do that, you will get better as a collective whole as a team and as a player, you individually will get better. So uh, yeah, exciting. But uh, once again, we're hoping that we see basketball. We don't know a ton of uh, answers yet, but uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're hoping to see all our events that are holding uh, Wolfpack basketball uh, sometime this fall and winter. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, the NIAA meeting this week. That's the governing body of high school athletics here in Northern Nevada. Plenty of opinions about whether or not there should be high school football, and uh, we'll kick that around next. Welcome back into NSN Daily. You know, it's been difficult uh, to, to not see high school football on Friday nights, our Friday night rivals uh, games. We've been showing encore performances, which, you know, it's not something I want. It's content, but I'd rather see in live sports, Chris. And looking at these NIAA meeting budgets, sometimes it takes me back to, uh, like, college and uh, Western traditions, and my eyes just kind of go cross-eyed when I'm reading some of these some of these things. Um, what do you expect to get actually decided on, if anything, this week? Well, I mean, there are a lot of different agenda items, but the thing that most people are concerned with was whether the NIA would reverse its decision and potentially play football and other fall sports this fall, and that's not going to happen. The NIA is meeting tomorrow. That's a number of issues. It's there. They do monthly meetings. This is not uh, outside of the norm, but agenda meeting number 21 was quote unquote dealing with the pandemic for possible action. People were like getting excited uh, who want to play football this fall that that might potentially mean that they're going to uh, reverse course uh, as currently designated. They're going to play fall sports in March and April. Uh, and the NIA basically said in a later release this morning that uh, the portion of the meeting that uh, would, would uh, take on item number 21 there uh, probably won't be discussed until Wednesday. And it's not about whether they would uh, resume play this fall. That's not the intent of that agenda item. It's more to provide an overview of where things stand and a roadmap for starting play, which currently means that they would start uh, winter sports uh, in the middle of January, and then they would do fall in March and April, and then they would do the spring after that. So I don't anticipate any major decisions coming out of that and certainly nothing uh, of the kind of magnitude that some football players and coaches uh, were hoping for. I mean, we did see at a meeting last week of the uh, Washoe County School District that a lot of football players and parents went out and protested outside of Sparks High School and the superintendent, uh, Dr. McNeil, basically came out and said, you know, this wasn't our decision. It was a decision made by the Nevada superintendents based on recommendations from the NIA, which was to delay all sports until 2021. And I, I understand that, you know, athletes who put a lot of work into this want to play this year, but, uh, you know, they're not epidemiologists. They're not medical professionals. Uh, if the medical professionals are telling you it's not safe to play right now, then you don't play right now. I'm not a medical professional. My opinion on the matter shouldn't really matter either. You should, uh, you know, listen to the expertise of these people and they're saying it's not healthy to play right now. And on top of that, Clark County is not even meeting in person. So if you have Clark County school district not meeting in person to go to class, how are you going to justify playing sports in person? So like, you know, it's a difficult situation because Washoe County is more or less in class. I mean, honestly, my daughter is in her fifth week of school. She's literally gone into class five times this entire school year. It's basically distance learning at this point because of smoke and other issues. Um, but yeah, I, I don't anticipate a, a change of course from the NIA with playing football this fall. And I know that upsets some people, but uh, you know, they made the decision in July and they've stuck to it pretty, um, you know, fervently uh, in the months since 
Yeah, according to the timeline uh, with the NIAA, winter season sports would do uh, would go six competitive weeks. And of course, this is all very fluid still. First contest starting on Friday, January 15th, uh, last games February 20th, and then spring sports uh, not affected nearly as much but 16th and then through May 22nd. I think, Chris, one of the things that, that is bothering people is one, they just want, they want to get their kids out of the house. They want to get their kids to play football. Now, now I didn't mean that negatively. Get out, let them play football. Let them go out and play their sports. We keep saying football, and I apologize to everybody else who's playing other sports because there are a ton of other sports that are very, very valuable um, to be, to be uh, competed in. And kids are losing their senior seasons, uh, losing their chance to get looked at, getting a chance to get that, that scholarship. And meanwhile, they're looking at the state's around Nevada where high school sports are being played. And the factor that I literally just was thinking about is, would we have been able to play football last Friday night? Probably not because our air quality was around 275 to 300. But I think when, when, you're, when you're in your yard and you're looking across and you wanna go swimming and you don't have a pool and your neighbors are swimming, if I can make that crazy analogy, you wanna go swimming, you wanna play. And if you're seeing Washington or Idaho or whatever states around Nevada playing, it's, it's going to kind of irritate you. Yeah, I mean, a large chunk of the West Coast isn't playing. Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, all not playing. But, yeah, you go across the border to Utah, and they are playing. And so far, they haven't seen any outbreaks or anything crazy. So I can understand that as well. I would say that they're not losing their senior season still will be seasons. They're just going to be truncated seasons under the current plan. So uh, it is unfortunate because, yeah, a lot of people probably are not going to get recruited because, uh, you know, they're not playing in the traditional time period. So uh, it's a difficult situation for sure. And if everything was perfect, you would love to see uh, these athletes be given the opportunity, but that's not the decision the NIA made. And if you're an opponent of that, you're more than welcome to voice your criticism and argue for the other side and be upset that your kid isn't allowed to play sports right now. And that's completely cool. I do agree with you. Like we wouldn't be playing sports right now because of the smoke, like the last two weeks, you think they're running cross country meets in this? You think they're playing football games in this? I would hope not. Like if my kids can't go to school inside school uh, and not have recess and that's too dangerous, how you're putting them outside to play sports right now. So it is to some degree uh, a mute point just because of the current situation wouldn't allow for it as is. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's a bad uh, situation um, that, yeah, the kids didn't have any say over this. They're not the ones who, um, you know, uh, allowed the coronavirus to spread. They're not the ones who, uh, you know, deserve to take this kind of, uh, you know, punishment that really isn't uh, beyond their, their control. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a sad situation, but I just hope that they do get to play in 2021. Um, you know, the schedule as laid out would at least give all of the sports season truncated seasons, so they would all get an opportunity to go out there and hit the field. Um, but, you know, I, I think we do need to make some gains for, you know, the NIA to feel comfortable going forward with that in terms of uh, where the numbers are in our community, which are still, you know, relatively high compared to where they were if you go back all the way to March. It's still going to be weird if this does work out and they can play, you know, those, uh, those fall sports. Uh, it's going to be weird to start out football season in the cold, in the snow, and then to maybe end where it's starting to crack and turn into spring and start to warm up because uh, we've seen so many, so many games that uh, were affected by winter weather uh, late in the get late in the year. But uh, yeah, I just want to I want to see the kids play. I want to let them play, but I want it done safely. I mean, you can't you can't stress that. It's it's keeping our kids safe ought to be the top priority. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, exploring our backyard. Shannon Kelly and Alex Margulies will stop by the show as they. Uh, 
take their trip to Lake Tahoe. That's next. The following segment is sponsored by Nevada Department of Wildlife. What's up guys, I'm Jeb Sekluna. Welcome to Tahoe Surf Company. Wake surfing is so much fun when you're in the company of family and friends in an awesome boat where you guys can actually simulate surfing in the ocean behind a boat, but it's an endless wave. You can also custom tune that wave. You can make it steeper to hold you with more energy. You can make it uh, more mellow for doing lots of cool turns. We can make it long where you can like have so much more playground to work up and down the wave like World Surf League when you're watching those guys move and move and groove. Or you can make it shorter and make that wave a lot more bigger. So much fun. This vessel, this is a 2020 Super Air Nautique G25. So Natique makes this ultimate surf machine, basically. This one in particular is 19 passenger vessel. Their engineering team is phenomenal. So Marine Specialties out of Sparks, Nevada is the Natique dealer. Who better than Andy Finch to teach me here with Tahoe Surf Company, former US Olympic snowboarder, uh, resident here of Truckee. You think you can get me up on this thing and drop in the rope? Absolutely, no question about it. That's what we do, that's what we're all about. We're gonna have you surfing this way. Sick man, I can't wait to do it. You! <laughs> you start work on getting that handle low, it really helps stabilize him. He's still struggling a little bit to get the weight onto the front foot. It, it's, it's a mind game. It's really hard to imagine a better place in the world to do this. I mean, 6,000 feet here at Lake Tahoe, you can see down crystal clear 30 feet, you can see the bottom. But really what makes this for me is the experience we're able to give people. Uh, they come out with these hurdles. We get them out, we get them up. We get the biggest smiles in the world, and it puts a smile on my face and keeps me coming back, no matter what's thrown at us. Man, that was awesome. I feel like I'm getting this close to being able to drop that rope. I'm gonna take a little break though. Jeb was telling me he can go tandem surfing. Not gonna do that with me, so we're gonna put Shannon on a board and see how she does. Way to go. Okay. Thank you. Let's get the WRC. We okay. rock surf club hitcher. Here. Snap. Snap. Hit the fist. Hit the fist. Boom. <laughs> Whack the lip. Full set, guys. Like I said before, I've been wake surfing a couple times in my life. Never been able to stand up like that, ride like that, drop the rope. Top notch instruction, amazing equipment, an incredible boat, and one of the most beautiful places in the world. You gotta come wake surfing out here with Tahoe Surf Company. We'll see you guys next time on Exploring Our Backyard.
Guys, it's, I mean, we are so lucky to live next to that absolute emerald of the Sierra, Lake Tahoe. I mean, to be able to wake surf, to golf, to just go up there and put your feet in the water or jump in off of 18 at Edgewood. Um, Alex, you've done this so many times and been up there. It's like second nature. It's just like something you, oh, okay, I think I'm going to go wake surfing this weekend. <laughs> I wish. I wish it was that that easy. You know, I wish I had a wake surfing boat, but uh, it's it's one of those things, once you kind of get back out there and do it, you definitely get the itch. And uh, it was so much fun to go out there with Jeb and, and, and as you saw there, get into the wave and actually drop the rope. Cause I had gone before and I'd been able to get up and I'd been able to kind of progress, but I'd never been able to, to ride without the rope. I got, I think it was maybe five seconds uh, if, I, if I'm being generous to myself. But uh, it was definitely an accomplishment. I, it, it made me want to go like, all right, I want to go again. I want to go again. So uh, it's a, such a fun sport. And, um, you know, if anyone gets a chance to try it, I definitely recommend it. Shannon, this has been a great summer of discovery for you. Despite a pandemic, uh, playing golf with Nikki B and getting to play a couple of courses that are just elite courses in our area. And then picking this up, how much had you done before this? I mean, before that, honestly, that was the first water sport I've ever really done. You know, I've been jet skiing before, but this was completely different. So um, Alex, he went by himself, but I did more of like a tandem surfing with uh, the owner and wake surfing coach there, Jeb. So that was just really cool to be able to still learn like the ins and outs of it with having a coach right there, because this is something I've never done before. And it was completely new territory, but who would have known how much actually goes into it. There's a lot of different parts to it that you don't realize when you just see people out there doing it on the boats in Tahoe or in the ocean, wherever you're at. So I just, I thought it was great. It was a great experience, but like Alex said, definitely getting the itch and I want to go out there and try it again and, you know, try by myself this time and see, because I think if you keep doing it, it's something that you can get better at. Um, and Anthony went right on out there and he, he did it right away. One of his first times too. And he just got up there and dropped the rope and made it look really easy. So that was fun. To yes. Rush crushed it. He's, yeah. he's, uh, you know, he, he is very quick to pick up pretty much everything we've thrown his way. It's like, Oh, you want to try snowboarding? It's like, all right, I'll figure <laughs> out how to do that. Like after like an hour, it's like, okay, you want to play golf? Like hits like a 250 yard drive, like his first day he's playing on a golf course and then wake surfing gets up like his second time. Yeah. So uh, it, it was pretty funny. Cause Jeb actually was like, dude, he goes, I don't know how he just did that. Cause I guess he got up in a wave, the boat kind of like screwed up and res got up even despite the, boat like not even producing a wave and and Jeb was like dude I've never seen that before he goes that was just man strength he's like I don't know I don't know how the heck this guy did that but uh that was that was pretty fun seeing him excel too that's I want to bring up what Shannon said the fact that she did a tandem I think that was cool about what Tahoe Surf Company is compared to maybe there, there are a lot of different places you can go wake surfing but the instruction that you get from Jeb and from Andy Finch uh, you saw him there the former uh, U.S. snowboarder um, the equipment, the, the, the expertise, I, I really think they can get just about anybody up on a wave. I mean, they said they went out the other day with, with uh, some NFL offensive lineman who was about six foot five and three bills, and they got him up on a board uh, yeah. as a tandem. So they're like, we can get anybody up on one of these things. And, and that's, you know, one of the cool things. And, and what they love doing is just kind of giving that joy to everybody and, and uh, making it possible for everyone, which is really neat. Well, it is 2020 and you can expect anything. I mean, I'm waiting for the mothership to come back and pick up Steph Curry, David Wise, and Rez and take them back to their home planet so they can be with their people because they're <laughs> of whatever. 
But uh, is there a website people can look up and, and trying to contact these guys? Yep, Tahoe Surf Company. Uh, you can find them get, right online. Um, got a great website. You can book it right there. Um, you know, they, they'll usually do about three sessions a day, sometimes four. Uh, so they usually have plenty of bookings, uh, but they've been super busy this year. He said it's been awesome. You know, coming out of COVID, they weren't sure what was going to happen and, and if the business was going to survive uh, after being shut down in March. And, and there was a lot of uncertainty. So it's been cool to, to hear from him is that, you know, his business has really been booming this summer. And, and obviously with people wanting to get out of, get out of the house and, and, and getting out of the Bay Area and stuff, a lot of people coming in to go surfing and stuff. So uh, they've been busy, but I, I did talk to them the other day and they still have plenty of bookings uh, left for this, this uh, winter and or going into the winter time. You can still surf into October, November, just throw a wetsuit on and, and you can still get out there. So still plenty of time to get out there and enjoy it. That's one thing I was going to ask Shannon to, before we wrap up the segment, Alex and I have jumped into the lake plenty of times after the golf tournament. Shannon, you're from a warmer climate in Vegas. How cold was that water for you? Uh, you know, actually, so I was a little nervous at first, but once I put the wetsuit on, I was totally fine. I could have stayed in the water for hours, probably. I mean, that's really the first time I've ever wore one for any, like I said, that was my first real water, um, activity besides jet skiing. So yeah, that was, it was not a problem at all. So if I was to ever go back or do something like that, I would like to have a wetsuit just cause you know, my Vegas blood is still, <laughs> still flowing pretty well. So, <laughs> um, no wetsuit for me, man, forget it. I mean, I was like, I was like, keep it. Yeah, I got a lot of insulation though, you know, you're also, I, 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 so yeah, I was, I was, I was born in the, in the cold of the <laughs> darkness of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to say too, is that, um, not only the, the wetsuits, but, uh, what I was going to say, Oh, it's not as imp impactful to your body. Like, you know, Brian, I know you've been wakeboarding, you know, the, when you're wakeboarding, you're going faster. When you fall, it hurts more, all those different things. Wake surfing, it's slower. So it's a lot less impactful on your body when you fall and your shoulders get, you know, when you get kind of pulled out of the water, you know, for some people that maybe have done wakeboarding, but, you know, it's just too much for me. Wake surfing is a cool thing to try because it's a little bit less impact on you. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, and even wakeboarding, I mean, I grew up water skiing and once you get yeah. to single ski, uh, the speed is definitely the factor. And, and I recall going out with your college buddies and somebody is cranking the wheels to spin you around outside the side of the boat. And then suddenly you're bouncing up onto a shoreline. So uh, yeah, I remember those days quite well. So yeah, I think this would be a little more my speed, but uh, if you want to check out the full story, go to our website. That's nevadasportsnet.com. Really appreciate it guys. Yeah. Shannon, the, the thing I remember putting on a wetsuit for the first time is I felt like a superhero. You feel like you're wearing a <laughs> yeah. sort of suit. Yeah, that's, I would say that's a perfect way to put it. You feel like you have all this power. You're all powerful and mighty once you, yeah, yep. powerful and mighty once you get into the water and no one can stop you once you're there. So <laughs> exactly. Always a lot of fun. Thanks guys. Appreciate you. Thanks for stopping, stopping by the show. Sure thing. Thanks for coming, up, coming up next here on NSN daily, the Dallas stars have eliminated the Las Vegas golden Knights. From the NHL postseason, we'll tell you what happened coming up. NSN Daily rolling along here on your Tuesday. Uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights went into game five, basically probably saying, you know what, we've been here before, been here, done that, down 3-1 to the Dallas Stars, but it just didn't happen, Chris. Uh, you know, Dallas wins this one 3-2 in overtime to advance to the Stanley Cup final. 
Yeah, the Knights were up 2-0 in the third period, but gave up uh, two goals, including one with about four minutes to go, and then took a bad penalty in overtime and allowed a power play goal there. Uh, two of the Stars' goals came on power plays. The Knights, again, shut out on the power play. So it's tough for the Knights. I mean, they lost the series 4-1, to one, but I think it was much closer to that. All four of their losses were by one goal, two of them coming in overtime. So a difficult way to end your season. And then I'm sure uh, the coach, Peter DeBoer, is going to get uh, quite a bit of criticism as well. He's stuck with Robin Lehner. And I don't think Lehner played poorly. Um, but, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury is a fan favorite. And when you lose a series and that fan favorite, who's also a very good goalie, is sitting on the bench for the majority of the playoffs. You know, people are going to point that out and say, you know, had you started this guy, we would have been playing in the final. So a difficult way for the Knights to exit. Um, you know, I think it, it was pretty wide open for them to win this thing, uh, not only this series, but the Stanley Cup, given the quality of teams left. But they just didn't score the big goals on the power play, and they weren't quite as sharp in the net. Uh, yeah, Anton Hudobin, 34 saves in this one. At the same time, uh, you know, Dal and we've been talking about this the entire series, is that Vegas had been just putting the puck on net and throwing the puck at the net. Hopefully something's going to happen. And the Dallas Stars flipped the script, and they took that formula. Out uh, shooting the, the Knights 36-26, and now Dallas heads back to the Stanley Cup final and uh, for the first time in a very long time. You know what? I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with this because um, I like seeing a fan base get rewarded. If, if you've got people that have been loyal for so long and then uh, to, to see your team get, get to that pinnacle uh, for the first time in a long time, I'm good with that. Yeah, I mean, they, they deserve it. That's been a good franchise for a long, long time. I remember back to that 2000 uh, Stanley Cup final and Brett Hull scoring a very controversial goal uh, in that series. Um, I think this one just came down to the power play. Again, I mean, they score twice. The Knights get three power plays and they don't score at all. And, you know, the Knights took a really, really bad penalty in overtime, which – uh, Peter DeBoer was not happy with. He used an expletive to describe the call. Uh, it was basically one of their players accidentally flipped the puck uh, outside of out of bounds. Do that when you're in your own zone. The other team gets to have a power play. So it was clearly accidental, but it gave the Stars an opportunity in overtime, and they were able to cash that in and move on to the next round. I think the Knights have to be very happy with what they've been able to accomplish in the first three years as a franchise. If you would have told them you'd be in the playoffs all three years, you'd win two Pacific divisions, you'd get to the Stanley Cup, you'd get to another Western Conference final, you would have certainly taken that at the beginning of the franchise. But getting so close and not winning it, there has to be an unsatisfying feeling knowing that you had a team that was good enough uh, to go out there and win a Stanley Cup, and they just have not been able to do that in the first three years. I'm going to refrain from making an NFL comparison to a mm -hmm. team that has been to a championship numerous times and not claimed one, just out of respect for my colleague who is a fan of that team. Oh, you're talking about the Bills? Oh, no. They've been bad for so long. I mean, I'm just happy when they make it to the playoffs now because that never happens. They last won a playoff game, I believe, 1998. Doug. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, just getting to the playoffs now, it doesn't burn as much as, oh, you're talking about the Dodgers. Oh, the Dodgers. Yeah. No, I, wa I was talking about the Bills. I was talking <laughs> about the Bills. Either way, I mean, like, I've got a lot of teams. Uh, I mean, I guess I can rely on the Lakers. They usually do good things for me. But, um, uh, yeah, I can understand that pain. When you have a championship caliber team and you feel like you might be the best team in your league, whether it's the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL, and you don't secure that victory – you feel horrible about it because you don't know how many times you're going to have a roster that's good enough to actually win a championship. And that's kind of the thing that's bummed me about the Dodgers is like they've been the best team in baseball like the last five years over that five-year span, and they haven't cashed it in, but you got to go and cash it in. And the, the Stars cashed this one in, 
they had the big goals when it mattered most and that's why they're moving on and the knights can think about you know had we done a couple things differently it would have been us but you know history is history they, they didn't make the plays necessary to move on and same with my Dodgers and same with my Bills back in the 1990s. So a lot of regrets when you're a sports fan. You think about the – that was the lead to the mailbag this week was the Nevada Wolfpack what-ifs. People think about the what-ifs and they don't celebrate the good memories because they think about yeah they got to the ultimate goal. So the Dallas Stars advanced to the Stanley Cup final. They will face off against the, the winner of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Islanders and the Lightning uh, Game 5 that series is tonight on NBC Sports Network. Puck drops at 5 p.m. Uh, Tampa Bay leads that series three games to one. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, uh, what are our impressions out of NFL's week one? Some surprising results and some not so surprising results. Uh, we'll kick that around next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Uh, doubleheader Monday Night Football. I actually saw on social media uh, a viewer saying that they would rather have Monday night doubleheaders and scratch Thursday night football. Chris, I don't agree with that at all. I want as much football on any night as I can. Uh, Americans work too hard. We're going through a pandemic. I want to see football on Thursday nights. Yeah, they're never going to switch to that because they want to own basically every day of the week. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Thursday night football because you're, you're basically asking players to play three days after they just played a game. And I don't sure. think you are trying to emphasize health and safety that that really makes a lot of sense. So, uh, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, both coins there, but I, I do think the majority of football fans would say Thursday night for sure, because then you got a Thursday, a Sunday and a Monday and, you know, toward the end of the season when there's not college football, you get a Saturday in there as well. So I get that, but a couple of games last night, I wouldn't say they were the most entertaining, but uh, you know, whenever you can watch football, it's not a bad thing. Well, let's start off with last night's games and uh, just kind of our impressions. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers, are they for real? Ben Roethlisberger, uh, goes his first opening weekend without throwing a – and, uh, yeah, I thought Roethlisberger looked pretty good in this one. Yeah, I actually picked them to win the Super Bowl this year in my uh, preseason picks. Uh, I didn't want to go with your normal Chiefs or Ravens. That was too easy. So I am very high on the Steelers, and they kind of did exactly, you know, why I picked them. I think th they have an elite defense. I think they have one of the three or four best defenses in the NFL. And then you go back to last year, the offense was brutal – because Ben got hurt. He had that elbow surgery and they ranked second worst in the NFL in quarterback rating. And I think if Ben is back to what he usually is, you have a top 10 quarterback to pair with that great defense. And, you know, would not be surprised if that team went out there and won 10 and 11 games in the regular season. I don't think they're as good as the Chiefs or the Ravens, but, um, you know, I certainly think they're an upper caliber AFC team as long as Ben Roethlisberger is healthy and as productive as he's been for the majority of his career. All right, let's, uh, let's go to Florida and Tampa. The Saints, 34-23 over Tom Brady and the Bucs. Uh, Brady with a pair of touchdowns in this one. But uh, I, I've seen a lot on social media of people just shredding Tom Brady. There's memes out there of, what have I done? Did I make the right decision? And, uh, you know, I, I just think, I think the timing's off. I think they're rusty. And, you know, I think, I think, you, I think Tom Brady and his crew on offense are really suffering without a preseason. Yeah, I mean, they were playing at New Orleans, too. You're not going to win that game very often. I mean, the Saints are a very, very good team. Uh, they might be the best team in the NFC. I put them right there with the 49ers. Uh, Drew Brees has a ton of talent around him. Brees has not been especially good in the postseason, but he's been really, really good in the regular season the last couple of years. So that's a game that you're normally going to lose. I wouldn't you know, write off uh, the Bucks or Brady at all. I don't think that they're going to go out there and win a playoff game this year, but I do think that they will make the playoffs. And I think he's going to have a, a fine season. I mean, he has enough talent around him. He had one really bad interception that was a pick six. 
third straight game with a pick six. I think only five quarterbacks in the history of the NFL have ever done that. So you are showing he is aging, but he's 43 years old. He's not going to be as sharp as he was in his prime. I still think he'll be a fine quarterback and that team will make the playoffs. But to me, the story was the Saints. Like the Saints are a legitimately good contender. Like they could go out there and win a Super Bowl. They've just gotten some horrible breaks the last two uh, playoffs. Uh, You know, they basically lost on the last play both the last few times they made it to the postseason. And that's a team with a championship window that's open. It's not going to be open for very much longer. So they need to go out there and actually, you know, finish the thing off and get to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are the best team in football. And they got just – they got better because they pick up a running back. And and he absolutely had a monster game. Uh, Edwards Land with 138 yards and one touchdown in his NFL debut. Um, let's touch on your Bills, 27-17 over the Jets, who – my Niners will face next week with a chance to lick their wounds after the loss to Arizona. Are the Bills going to make the playoffs? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they're a 50-50 bet to win the AFC East. Uh, I think they're as good as the Patriots defensively. I, I'm not completely sold on Josh Allen being a top 10 kind of quarterback. I think he's more closer to 20 to 30. And I think if you want to win a championship, you need really good quarterback play because you're going to have to beat guys like Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or uh, Lamar Jackson, the list goes on and on. And I don't think the Bills have a quality enough quarterback to go out and beat two or three of those teams. But I think they're, they're more than good enough to make the playoffs. I mean, that defense is legit. I mean, that's a top five defense as well. And they were last year, and that's what carried them into the playoff and, you know, a couple of plays away from getting to the divisional round. So a very good team as well. Um, but I don't think they're a true, true contender. But it would be interesting to see if they could beat the Patriots. Patriots have won the last 11 AFC East championships, and they obviously look pretty good against the Dolphins with Cam Newton back there. So I still favor them a little bit in the East, but the the Bills are definitely 1A. I could see them winning that division for sure. Team that surprised me the most over the weekend was the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, With DeAndre Hopkins, what a big pickup in the offseason. Kyler Murray is a water bug. He's going to be torching defenses, or or the Niners need to figure out how to handle a running quarterback they've had a tough time against a running quarterback um he, he certainly benefited from knowing how to slide knowing to he's giving up a couple of yards because the Niners have a couple of costly penalties uh there and I know it was frustrating for them but uh, the Cardinals in the NFC West legit yeah yeah I, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs but that's certainly a really fun team to watch I mean Kyler Murray I remember watching the season opener last year against the Lions and I'm like this guy can't play in this league he's just too small He wasn't being very accurate. He was certainly being rushed and he was getting a lot of passes batted down, but he got a lot better as the year went along. And you have to give the coach Cliff Kingsbury a lot of credit for designing the offense to to fit his skills. I mean, he is definitely very mobile. Uh, I think he's usually looking to throw the ball, which is always, uh, you know, an interesting kind of aspect. I think uh, people might look at him as a running quarterback, but he's more like an Aaron Rodgers to me is he's moving around, but he wants to get the ball down the field. He'll take yards when you can get them. They're going to be much making the nfc playoffs there are just too many good teams in the nfc you know i have the saints above them docks above them uh the 49ers for sure uh the packers looked really really good in beating the vikings i think the cowboys will bounce back and make the playoffs so even though there are seven playoff teams i don't think the cardinals make it but it was certainly a very good showing and that was the best that'll do it for us here on nsn daily we will see you on wednesday